And we're back here live on the fan card app. My name is Cole Nines. I'm here alongside my partner, Shane Rich, backer show number five of the Phenom NFL show. Not in that Sunday slot this week. We are on Tuesday. Per Shane's request, he said, Cole, I want to watch this game on the end of Sunday night. And I know people are doing that thing Sunday night. So let's move it to Tuesday. So just like the NFL this season, we made it work and we rescheduled the game to a Tuesday. So, it's game day right now. Prime time. It's game day. It is game day, but we got a ton to talk about. So, for everyone joining right now, whether you are new, whether you are old, first-timers, regulars, let's get used to how this app works at FanCred. If you want to join the show live alongside Shane and I, all you got to do is press the green fan line button. Come right on. And, ha- and be prepared with a question to ask us or a discussion topic, and we will talk about it. We got a bunch of people already lined up today ahead of time to come mm-hmm. on to the show. And eventually we will hopefully have more people, not that were planned, to come on to the show. And just be prepared with a question. Shane and I, the NFL experts we are, will answer anything you have. We're down to talk about anything. Make it fun. So... To start off the show, we're not going to go too in-depth recapping the games because, of course, those were two and three days ago. But we want to cover some of the biggest headlines we weren't able to touch on on Sunday night because we didn't have a show. So we'll start off with the Green Bay-Los Angeles game. Packers won 32-18. So, Shane, I'll start off with this. Do you have any doubt in your mind that Aaron Rodgers and co. will lose next week? They're not losing next week, Cole. I think it's as simple as that. I just, I look at it like the biggest thing when the NFC playoff picture, I guess we could call it close. It looks so far apart, you know, now as opposed to week 15 or 16 when it was much closer. Lambeau says it all and does it all for the Green Bay Packers. I mean, playing up in the frozen tundra, right? It's cold. You know, it's it's Rodgers weather. And look, we know in the past Brady, there's a different level of there's a different level of success, excuse me, when he plays in the snow and when it's cold, right? It's that time of year when he's in Foxborough. Unfortunately for all of his teammates in Tampa Bay, they're not used to that, right? They all have the thick skin. They're used to the hot weather all year round. They're not used to that. And I just think it's going to come down to how well Green Bay can run the ball. And I think they're going to do a great job of that. We saw last week, right? I mean, Rogers got it going through the air, but it's going to be their ability to get it going on the ground too. And are the Bucks capable of that? Yes, but I think going through the air, they couldn't do it in a dome last week against the Saints in their secondary, right? So what, I don't think anything changes against the um, the Packers this week. Yeah, as much as I love to rave about Aaron Rodgers, they have a three-headed monster back mm-hmm. there in Green Bay between Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and A.J. Dillon. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a formidable trio right there. And in a, in a cold-weather game like that where it's going to be worn in the trenches, I'm trusting that Green Bay offensive line, that running game, let alone the best quarterback in football right now and the MVP of the season, Aaron Rodgers, who absolutely tore apart the number one defense in football. Look, of course, Aaron Don was nowhere near 100% in that game, but that's the same defense that made Russell Wilson look like Sam Darnold. <laughs> I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a horrific performance from Wilson, and that's why the Rams won that first game. And then Green Bay put up 32 points on them. 
I don't think people are understanding how impressive that is. That's a lot more impressive than Brady putting up 30 points in their game where he only had 63 yards on three touchdown drives. Yeah. I mean, Rodgers had 56 yards on one touchdown throw. That's almost all Brady's touchdown drives in one. So, unbelievable performance from Rodgers to stay composed in that game against such a great defense. I mean, obviously, had Ramsey there. Adams was giving him fits all game. Look, Ramsey's obviously an unbelievable player in the end, but Adams looked superior in that one. And, and then, Green Bay yeah. put together a really nice performance. And look, there's still that thought that, you know, Everyone talked in the offseason about it. They didn't have enough weapons, and Rodgers wasn't going to be the same. And look where we are now. Rodgers is absolutely killing it. He looks better than ever. You want to talk about quarterback aging backwards? That's Aaron Rodgers right now. Mm-hmm. And cool. Yeah, the curious case of Andrew, uh, Aaron Rodgers for all my movie people. But on top of what you're saying, like that's my biggest thing. And when the Bucks faced off against the Packers earlier in the season, and what, it was 38-16, to 16, the terrible score. The Bucks totally blew him out. It's a different Packers team than we're used to seeing, right? I felt like Aaron Rodgers didn't really turn on the Jets then. I mean, he had a few couple good performances early on, but nothing like we've been seeing recently. Something clicked. I mean, Devontae Adams caught fire. He's, to me, clearly the best receiver in football right now. Like you said, the three-headed monster that they have in their backfield. Bakhtiari's out, which is going to be huge against that, you know, Tampa Bay pass rush. But I just, I think the Packers are the clear bet and favorite going forward. 100% 100% right there. Rodgers is playing at an unbelievable level right mm-hmm. now. He can't be stopped. He's a man possession. That's exactly what he is right now. I don't see anyone stopping him, especially that Tampa Bay defense who still, you know, they had a really nice performance against the Saints. But again, as we'll get into, I guess we can, uh, we won't segue this uh, Packers matchup. But, you know, it's there. They're playing against Drew Brees on his last limbs. Yeah. It's not as impressive of a performance as many of people are making it seem. They did a job, and they you know, they gave hell a river, uh, to Breeze in that game. That's all they had to do. So they did at least. But let's focus on the Rams for a second. Mm-hmm. There were some rumors and rumblings following the game over the weekend about a potential divorce between Goff and McVay, yeah. which would be quite the headline. But again, keep in mind, the Rams have little to no flexibility all throughout the organization in terms of how much cap they've already spent and the fact that they have constructed a win-now team. So look, of course, golf was playing with four fingers in those two games and you know, yeah. put together the best performance he could. But mm-hmm. based off of when he's playing at the highest level and doesn't have many with a really nice running game with Cam Makers and, of course, he has Woods and Cup, a really, really nice receiver duo. I mean, we've seen golf when he's at his, but is he the answer for this Rams team if they're going to win now? Or do they even have a? Yeah. So, and that's my biggest thing is, and like, I, I mean, everyone's calling it marriage counseling. That's what they need. But to your credit, like you said, Colt, they have so much dead money and there's so much money they can't use based off of Brandon Cooks and Todd Gurley and the massive contracts they gave. And it's the Super Bowl window. That's the most important thing is, is Goff their, you know, guy going forward. And I don't think he is. I don't know if they move on him this offseason or the next. But I know, obviously, as a Niners fan, I know going into next season, Garoppolo is 15% of the Niners cap space, which is a huge amount, right? That's a big amount, especially for a quarterback that is in top tier. 
Goff's in that similar situation, whereas he makes a, a couple throws a game where we're like, okay, that's legit. That's a great throw. But for the weapons this guy has, the O-line they've built for him, and the defense that supports him, he's certainly not playing up to that standard. So I I don't know if they pull the pull the plug yet. Excuse me, but I think they have a year or two left in the Super Bowl window. I mean, Donald's not going anywhere. Jalen Ramsey probably isn't going anywhere. But from a health and, you know, young talent standpoint and what Goff's cap numbers are going to do going forward, you have to act now. You know, it's a really curious case right now. And, of course, they have Aaron Donald, you know, the best defensive player in football, and Jalen Ramsey, who can even give him a run for his money. But, you know, to win the Super Bowl, sometimes you really need to be at the peak of your roster. So, mm-hmm. for anyone who just joined right now, talk football, hit that fan line button in the show, and we'll get you set up. So just give me one quick second. Um, all right, just to give a quick note to the producer. All right, and we're back. So let's move on to the game. 20. Mm-hmm. Interesting game here. Look, let's be real. The Saints had Breeze again playing on his last list, and it was very hard to watch. It was again like watching Peyton Manning on his last season. Mm-hmm. The team was good enough to win games, but he's just not good That's anymore. Tough. He doesn't cut it. And no matter how careful he is, every throw has the chance to be intercepted. And that's exactly what happened. They had four turnovers in that game. So, so let's look at this right here. So, Tampa Bay enters this next game. They've had a pretty simple schedule to end out the season. They haven't really been battle-tested in a long time. Mm-hmm. But the New Orleans defense is pretty solid. I'd say they're a top-ten unit. Is that fair? So, you know, the Buccaneers... The I, I think they're top... I call. I'd, I'd argue they're the best in football. All right, so that you, can say you can even argue they're top five. Yeah. Let's just say. But then... No, I, I and that's, hear, that's exactly where I put them. And I want to hear your thoughts on Tom Brady's performance. Obviously, in the atrocious first half... Picks up in the second half and just enough to win the game. Yeah. But overall, do you think he's still at the level to take down Rodgers next week in Lambeau? I can tell you this. If the Bucs want to win this game, as much as I think they want to rely on him, I don't think they can. I don't think they will. I think it comes down to playoff Lenny, like people like to call Leonard Fournette now. It's going to be that run game. And it's going to be, it's, it's, we're going to have to see what they're capable of no matter what the weather conditions are. Because if Brady can't throw in a dome with no fans, right, he, he did not play well last week. I mean, I don't really know going forward for them. Are you you seriously think that, God, I don't even know what the temperature is going to be, but is Brady capable of that now, 40 years old, with that pass rush coming at him? I, I think they're going to have to rely heavily on their ground game to get the win. And that was my biggest thing. Brady, he, he didn't look good. It simply came down to the poor throws and decisions Breeze was making. And Devin White, him playing, was tremendous for their defense. They totally shut down Kamara. And that was my biggest takeaway, the Bucks defense and how they stepped up. Yeah, it sickens me that across Twitter and the media world that the Buccaneers' defense was not getting the credit they deserved for that game. Look, again, I'll, I'll mention it again. Yes, mm-hmm. it was against Drew Breeze in that offense. And Michael Thomas, we found that, wasn't even playing near 100%. 
he was actually battling through so he can play with Breeze one last time, which I have a ton of respect for um, him doing that. But yeah. the Buccaneers defense well, that, stepped well, that, up. And I think we can both agree. That changed my perspective. Of Michael Thomas? I never thought he was a bad guy, and I never thought that he was a bad, uh, you know, mm-hmm. an even average or, you know, overrated receiver. You know, you can't put up that style line that he did last year by, you know, by not being that good. People are, were trying to rip him down after an yeah. unbelievable season in 2019. And he got plagued by injuries this year. He made one silly decision at practice that cost him. And unfortunately, it, it was a terrible a lot. It was a terrible season for him. But, you know, it really shows his character to go out and play with Breeze. But, I mean, talking about this Tampa Bay mm-hmm. defense, this is the variable. They need to have the best game of their entire season if they're going to take down Rodgers. Again, he put 32 points in the Los Angeles Rebs. This Buccaneers defense needs to have an unbelievably spectacular game against Aaron Rodgers to win, let alone that Tom Brady and the Buccaneers offense is going to have to have the best game of their season as well to win against Green Bay. So now we'll talk about New Orleans before we get into the AFC games. So Breeze is out. That's a given. Now they have Winston and Taysom Hill. But do you see them having a different starting quarterback lining up under center in 2021? I do. I think this is it for Breeze. I mean, there were sound bites and stuff. I guess there were clips. He said to Jameis, this is your team now. I actually don't think that's a bad direction to look in. They're so low on money. I think they're bottom three in the NFL with cap space and what they can do. You know they're not going to be able to re-sign Jared Cook. You know they're not going to be able to get those quality guys that they've had, right? It's all going to come down to finding a cheap quarterback, whether that's drafting a guy in the first, late first or second round or re-signing Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. I don't think those are bad options, Cole, because when Breeze was out with those broken ribs, we saw what Taysom Hill was capable of. Is it the best football to watch? No. Right? Is he the best passer? No. But for this team and the way they play, it's not a bad option. And going forward, look, with the Michael Thomas situation, if they think he's their guy, if they don't, he's high in trade value. I mean, is he worth what he was last year? Definitely not, just because of the things we've heard. And, you know, the numbers he put up were a tremendous drop off from last year. But if you could, you know, nag a second or third round pick from a team that's desperate for a a playmaker like Michael Thomas – and you can use the money you have left over to draft young, I don't see why not, right? And turn two second-round picks into a first, and you get into that draft position. So I think with Sean Payton and their front office, I don't think it falls apart. I don't know if they're as good as they are next year. Their Super Bowl window is certainly closed. But to compete and to be a playoff team in the NFC South, I don't think they can go wrong. Well, my honest opinion, Shane, yeah. I think they shouldn't touch Taysom Hill. And it disgusts mm-hmm. me, absolutely disgusts me, that Sean Payton force-feeds because he's this or gadget quarterback or gadget whatever you want to call it. Let me ask I you think something real quick. He, he hinders his offense so much. Yeah. And I was the least bit impressed when he was at the helm for those weeks when Breeze was out. I don't understand why Jameis Winston wasn't the quarterback. Clearly, it means that Sean Bainton doesn't trust Jameis Winston to run his offense. Well, That's my biggest takeaway. I, I, I don't know. Or he has this whole thing with Taysom Hill that he yeah. just loves him. But I don't get it. What has Taysom Hill showed us in all these games and experiences, experiences mm-hmm. 
that he can be a starting NFL quarterback on a playoff team. He's not even close, Shane. He's not even close. I don't – before you talk, before you talk, I do not think they should have Taysom – unfortunately, he's locked into this team, but he should not be near the starting quarterback this, right. uh, position. And if Winston, you know, who I personally thought they should have put in that playoff game if they were actually trying to win, he would have put, gave him a much better chance to win them compared mm-hmm. to Breeze. But if they don't believe in Winston, there's no point in forcing him in there either. You know, Winston is going to be the stopgap quarterback for the rest of his career, unfortunately. No high ceiling, but the lowest floor in football, <laughs> considering he's the interception machine himself. If I'm New Orleans St. Shane, and I know I have Sean Payton, who I'm not sure of his exact age. Maybe we can get to some one of our statisticians to look it up right now. But he's definitely not doesn't have a massive future of football ahead of him. I'll tell you that for sure. He's got a Super Bowl. He's got a Super Bowl ring already. He's had enough success across his career. If I am New Orleans, I am blowing it up, Shane. I am blowing it up because we've seen this team. Look, aside of you know, they had one fluke game that they should have, or two fluke games that they should have won. I'll give them that. The, the Diggs play and the game against the Rams. They should have won those games. You know, we can all, again, we can talk for hours about everything, but you no, know, they got robbed in those two games. But besides that, you know, I don't know if they win the Super Bowl either of those two years. And as you said, their window is closed. Why try to force it right now when they're in cap hell? You have to blow it up. You have to start from scratch, Shane. You have to. A few things. Number one, say what you want about Taysom Hill, Cole. Right, you may not think he's the starting caliber quarterback. He's certainly not a guy you'd want going forward. I mean, maybe he suits the Jets. Maybe you guys don't go two and fourteen if he's your quarterback. But here's you the thing negative him. two and fourteen if Taysom. No, no, no but here's the thing, Cole. <laughs> if Taysom Hill's out there Sunday, last Sunday against the Bucks, whole different game. A At whole, quarterback. Whole, At quarterback, you're saying. Cole, just out there in general. The out there in general. The play what he can do, Cole. He has the ability that I couldn't name another guy in the NFL that has. I mean, maybe besides a guy like Kamara, he can play tight end, right? He's a great run blocker. He could run routes like a receiver. But he's not getting you eight to ten catches a oh. game in impact plays. He makes three to four impact plays at most during a game. He's not but, worth up and, any and of that, the money that he that's gets. way more than Breeze is producing. And I agree with you. If Jameis Winston was put out there. So then they're they both suck. That's the thing. Then they're both useless. They're not both useless. Taysom Cole, Taysom held a winning record when he was a starter. We saw it with him. He was capable. And were you impressed by any means with that offense? Were you impressed by any means? They did not impress they me one bit. He played well. He wasn't terrible. Cole, that competition wasn't any world beater. He wasn't winning a playoff game with that team. If Taysom, if Taysom Hill is out there last Sunday, this is a whole different ball game. So they, they win the game. Different ball game. Do they win the game? Yeah, and Latavius. I don't think they win the game either. So I don't think they win the game. Cool. The game plan going in for the Bucs was that simple. You're crashing it on Kamara. Wherever they said to Devin White and Levante David, wherever Kamara goes, you guys go. It, it's a whole different game plan. They know Michael Thomas is hurt. They know Jared Cook can't be number one receiver on that team. They know Emmanuel Sanders is aging. They know those things. So when you take out Latavius Murray and Taysom Hill, two guys that can dominantly run the football. And create and and don't even say Taysom Hill doesn't do that because we know how awesome he is at seeking it up the middle. That's a whole different thing, and that's a whole different game plan the Bucks have to make, and that's different adjustments. So that's a total different ball game. And I agree with you on the Winston part. Whereas if you throw Winston in there, it's a it, it's a different game. I mean, maybe 
you know, the Bucs, they know his identity, right? They know he can go 30 for 30, 30 touchdowns, 30 picks. But in the one play he had, it was the best play of the Saints, right? It was the be- their best play of the game. It was the tough It was the best game. But that's what I'm – Taysom Hill generates offense. Is he the, is he the <laughs> answer going forward? But you need him out there. For you to blow it up. Or, okay, it would have been nice to have that. Right? You need My those guys. John Payton force feeds him the ball for no reason. That's so and many it works. They won their it division. Works. I, I wasn't. It I wasn't works. too impressed with him. I wasn't too impressed with him. I with wasn't all season. Hill, he wasn't they even had out one, there. They had. They had one really nice performance against the Buccaneers earlier in the season, and that almost seemed like a fluke game on their with part. With Taysom Hill out there, and he, he didn't like, win the game. Cool. All right. Well, let's actually. All right. We have um Scott. I know you wanted to get on the show today. I don't know if he's in the waiting room right now, Scott Sanduli. But he said, got a lot to say on this topic. So if he can join right now, that would be great. I'd love to get a third voice in this conversation. <laughs> you got there it. he is. There we he go. All we right, Scott, Scott. You? We wanted Scott. <laughs> Take the mic, man. Take the mic. All right. So, okay. So my personal opinion on this is even if you had Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill in the game Sunday, the Buccaneers win. The Thank Saints you. would not have won that game. If you just look at how they played, the Saints offense was flat the entire game. Like Shane said, the only big play they had was when Jameis Winston was in. But that was also a trick play that the Buccaneers didn't see coming. And also, if you look at the second half of that game, the Buccaneers defense, like it's played as good as it has all season with especially guys like Devin White making plays. Mm-hmm. The secondary that Michael Thomas was not a factor. And Alvin Kamara wasn't, wasn't really himself either, so. I think no matter who you had in that game, and I do, I don't think I kind of think of Taysom Hill as like Nick Foles 2.0. He's a good quarterback for a situation. Mm-hmm. He's not a guy that you can trust full time. I but, like uh, that. I actually really like that, Scott, because it's true. <laughs> he is not a franchise quarterback. And I, it, I was not. It, was. I'm it, just saying. Me off. it absolutely pissed me off when Sean Payne all <laughs> offseason was like, this is our guy going forward. I'm like, no, he's not. Yeah, good luck winning games with Taysom Hill as your starting quarterback in the postseason. It's not going to mm-hmm. happen. No, it's not. it's not going to happen. And I think with with the loss to the Buccaneers, the like some uh, it was one of you that said the Saints Super Bowl window has closed because mm-hmm. they are. I was looking at it. They're ninety nine million dollars over the cap. Yeah, Jared Jared Cook is gone. Trey Hendrickson is gone. Yes. If if I was them, I would be trading Michael Thomas. And with Drew Brees retiring, your best option, they can't sign anybody. And with their pick, which is going to be like in the early 20s, they'll be lucky to get like Mac Jones to slide to there. They're, they don't have a replacement at quarterback for Drew Brees that has proven himself. Taysom Hill, he, like I said, kind of a Nick Foles kind of guy. He's not a long-term fix. Jameis Winston, like nothing has shown me that the interception problem is gone. So – the Saints have kind of, with that loss, their Super Bowl window is closed. Well, hold and... on one second. I'd like to see him potentially in an offense that's not the trigger-happy Bruce Arians offense that made Tom Brady the most careful quarterback in football throw all mm-hmm. those interceptions this year. Maybe mm-hmm. he goes into that conservative Sean Payton offense and things turn around for him. I think it's worth experimenting. But again, I'm going to say it. It didn't seem like Sean Payton had the confidence in Jameis Winston mm-hmm. because – Otherwise, he would have been in there instead of Taysom Hill in those games. And Hill was mm-hmm. far from impressive. If you want to use Taysom Hill as your gadget guy and put him at mm-hmm. wide, have him play quarterback for four or five plays, have him catch four or five passes, put him on a mm-hmm. kick return, a punt return, a punt block, whatever you want, go do mm-hmm. that. 
Have fun with that. Knock yourself yeah. out. But Jameis yeah, Winston should have been the starting quarterback for that whole stretch. He would have given them a much better chance to produce on offense compared to what Taysom Hill did. I was not impressed by any means of whatever he did on offense. Well, I I understand. Like I didn't see like I didn't see Taysom Hill as all that great of a quarterback. I think he was fine for the situation. Like, look, he, didn't he go like five and one or something? Exactly. Like the Saints played great great with him, like as a temporary option. He works temporarily. He's not a long term kind of guy that I think could have worked out for the Saints. But Jameis Winston, the way he would have played, even with like the conservative Sean Payton offense. I still think nothing has told me the turnover and the turnover problem is gone. We gotta see it. We gotta see it in a new situation. That's my take on yeah. it. Anything exactly, else? Yeah. Nah, that's my piece. <laughs> All right. Perfect. All right. Thanks. thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, Scott. Thank you for having me. All right. That was Scott. If you want to come on like Scott, go debate with Cole and Shane. All you gotta do is press that green button, not the red button, the green button. And you get started on that. Let's shift gears to the AFC right now. Again, looking at some headlines from these games. Um, I'm just looking at some comments right now. Not the greatest teams. Um, you know what? Cameron, should we add uh, Sammy in here right now if he wants to add on to this topic? All right. We're going to add on Sammy right now. See what he's got to say. He's coming. That's the note we just got. He's coming. There he is, Sammy. What's going on, man? How are you, Cole? How are you, Shane? Uh, what's going on? Interesting week of football. want to talk a little more about Jameis Winston. So I feel like he is and could very well be a franchise quarterback somewhere. I know you guys just touched on it. Bruce Arians, very trigger-happy and wants to throw the ball downfield on third and one and fourth and one. He wants to throw it 20 yards down the field. But when you look at it, another thing that nobody really talks about that played into Jameis Winston and his constant interceptions was possibly his eyes. At the end of last season, he had eye surgery, and maybe that could have played a very big factor, and nobody has really been talking about that, and I think he needs to get another chance somewhere. Where where are some possible destinations you guys could see him going to? Yeah, describe it as, you know, I put on my friend's glasses one time in class, and I saw the board much better. I started doing better. So, you know, I guess that's what happened with Jameis Winston in this situation. Maybe he'll start playing better. But as much as we like to joke about it, you know, he squints his eyes like this in the field and he goes around. But it's true. He had this problem since college. There are pictures of him at Florida State in the national championship game with his eyes like this squinting because he can't see. You know, you got players and everything going on around the field. A quarterback is one of the most chaotic positions in, in the world, you know. That could be a big factor. But again, I just don't think the biggest point here is that Sean Payton did not have any confidence in him. That is my personal opinion on that. And that's what I've inferred from all the situations that have gone on. So in terms of potential destination, Sammy, I don't think it's going to be New Orleans. I think what he's going to have to settle for is a one-year stopgap at any destination around the league that's in need of a quarterback that can use Winston for one season on a prove-it deal. A team that has nothing to lose, and if Winston works out, either they can trade him for more value at the at the deadline if their team is losing games, or they keep him long term. You know, he was a, a former what number one pick. Yes, number I mean one this. Guy, yeah, he, you know, he's he's proven himself in the in the past. I mean, he's not thirty five years old right now. It's not. We're not talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick here. 
I he has to get another shot. He has to. He'll Sammy, I think he I think he returns to Nola. I do. And I think it's simply because they're low on cap space. I don't think he's making over five million dollars this year. I'm pretty sure he's on a very, very cheap deal. Yeah, I think it's but, like no, maybe New Orleans would be a great spot for him. I just don't think Sean Payton so, is gonna bring him back. And I actually I don't I don't think it has to do with Sean Payton. I really don't. I think it's just because to me and people like to compare the the Peyton Manning, the last ride for him, right, to the Drew Brees situation. And look, there's hints of it that are similar. The quarterback goes out, his backup comes in. We don't know about his backup. Wins games. They're the, you know, they're the one or two seed in the playoffs. All this stuff. I I just to me it was different. I feel like that Broncos defense we saw in 2016 was so good. And it was the best in football. And they knew against Carolina, they were going to shut down Cam, right? They knew they could pummel on him. They knew, they knew Von Miller was going to attack him. The secondary was going to play up to their standard. They knew those things. With the Saints, we didn't know that. And I think, look, the guys wanted it for Breeze. Cole said earlier, Michael Thomas wanted it for Breeze, right? Everyone's doing it for Breeze. So they're not going to bench Breeze if Breeze can play. It wasn't one Correct. of those things. And I, I think that's the respect. And and when we look back on Breeze's career, right, 10 years from now, no one wants to look back and say, oh, my God, remember in his final game against the division rival Buccaneers, they benched him for Jameis Winston, Mr. 30 for 30? I totally agree with that. I agree with that. I'm talking at the time when Breeze was out throwing 20 passes a game, mm-hmm. and I thought it was just useless. If you want to see what – if you if Jameis Winston is in a one-year deal and you want to see what he has – then why is Tatum Hill throwing 25 passes a game? It makes no sense to me. At least give him to the – what? Do like one pass like all season. Yeah, he, he didn't get to throw much. What about possibly an Indianapolis mm-hmm. uh, if Phillip Rivers comes back or a Chicago and let him and Mitchell Trubisky fight it out for the job and see what you have there is they're not going to have a – Really high draft pick as well. I know they finished, I think, eight and eight, yep. but they still made the playoffs, even though they got one and Which done. Them. Yeah, their pick isn't going to be very high either. So it's going to be interesting what uh, he's going to do. But I really still see a future for him, and I still think he could be a very good NFL quarterback. Maybe not great like mm-hmm. originally anticipated when he came out of the NFL draft in 2015, but I am still a believer in Jameis Winston, and I still think he has. Some talent in them. I Sammy, agree. And those. Right oh, look, oh look, let me just on my on my mind right those, now. Look at the teams right now. What did you, you say? All right, and I'll, I'll take this oh, one. What were you saying? I'm going through the teams right now, looking at potential spots where Jameis Winston can land because I want to give Sammy an answer on this. I'm looking at some all the teams right now, potential spots. One good team that sticks out to me could potentially be the Pittsburgh Steelers. They could hmm. give Winston a shot on a cheap deal, continue to build that defense. They have two decent weapons. I mean, I, maybe they'll bring back Juju Smith-Schuster, depending on how much money he's going to want in free agency, whatever team is uh, unfortunate enough to pay him that much money to be the number one receiver. You know, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But he could be. that could be an interesting um, situation for him. Maybe he goes to a place like Denver. Maybe he goes to Washington. I at Carolina, maybe if they want to give up on Bridgewater, but I actually doubt that. So I'd say the number, the top three destinations would be Washington, Denver, and Pittsburgh. Off the top of my head, 
The thing is, Pittsburgh doesn't really have the offensive personnel at receiver or running back to really surround them with exactly. to make it any they easier. They one in the, in the first round this year. But they've done that. Oh, they, we don't, they already had to trade the pick. They traded the pick They have, um, in the Fitzpatrick trade. They don't even have it, right? No, 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 that was last year. That was last year. Excuse me. They're pretty they sure in the first. Unlike Seattle, they didn't trade two first-round picks for a, a safety. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a good idea for Seattle. I mean, Jamal Adams has been a disappointment, but that's that's a different topic for another day. So how about this, Sammy? Where's Jameis Winston in 2021? <laughs> Jameis Winston is going to be the quarterback for the Chicago Bears fighting it out with Mitchell Trubisky under Matt Nagy. So what do they do for polls? <laughs> I think they'll he gets cut probably or just they're gonna have to eat the the pick they gave up and all that cap space because it was a horrible trade in the first place and since they declined Trubisky's fifth year option now they're going to have to see what they want to do with him and he made demand some money as he he didn't have that bad of a year honestly I'm still very high on him I know a few episodes ago I came on and talked about mm-hmm. him but I think Winston could be a viable replacement and could be decent in a place like Chicago. Yeah. Well, it's definitely interesting to see. And, you know, him in Chicago to me would be weird. You definitely have to figure out the full situation. Or do you stick with Foles and, you know, Trubisky's a free agent or they declined his option. So we'll see where he ends up. I actually think that there's some quarterback needy teams that could experiment with Trubisky over Winston uh, just because of age and – I think there's more to look at with Trubisky because of the Agreed. situation he had up in Chicago. But I believe in the cold weather thing. I don't know if Winston necessarily fits there. And I, I like what you're saying, but I think they're not they're not they're definitely not getting Allen Robinson back. <laughs> Robinson wants to play with a top tier quarterback. They're gonna watch on the Jets. <clears throat> they're gonna they're gonna rely on their <laughs> run game, right? They're gonna rely on the run game. And with Winston, he's a trigger happy quarterback. Loves to throw the ball, no matter if it's touchdowns or interceptions. I think you need to put him in a situation where he's surrounded by talent. So I don't think Pittsburgh – I like Chicago, but I don't think they have the weapons to do it. That's why I'm going with New Orleans. How about Denver? How about Denver? I'm not a believer in Judy and those weapons either. I mean, how about Indianapolis? What about about Cortland Sutton? He was the one who elevated Drew Locke. That might be the only reason why I'd give Drew Locke another shot is because he played so well with Sutton down the stretch. But I think Drew Locke isn't that good of a quarterback, and I think Jameis Winston could you know, potentially be a good experiment for that team as they look to find that future quarterback. Maybe, no, they have a decent team in Denver. Maybe they maybe they go and get uh, Winston. We'll see what happens. Sammy, anything else before we go? Uh, not One more thing, actually. Looking forward to see what the Buffalo Bills do this week against the Kansas City Chiefs, Josh Allen continuing his possibly robbing of MVP this season as he had a majestic season. He really elevated his game going from towards the, if not the bottom in completion percentage to the top 10 for quarterbacks within one season. So I think that's very impressive for him. He has some mobility and overall he's a great quarterback. Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen, Tredavious White, Buffalo Bills, Bills Mafia going to the Super Bowl. Thank you for having me, Cole. Sammy, Thank you for having me. If they win the Super Bowl, can you jump on the table for us? I will we do need that. If they we win need the- that. Yep. 
<laughs> Beautiful. All right. Have a good night, man. All right. Have a good night. Yeah. We're gonna make that happen. And maybe, maybe I'll root for the Bills to win the Super Bowl, so Sammy can smash the table in half like the Bills fans. We'll send him up to Buffalo with them. Um. <laughs> all right. Let's go AFC now before we bring on another guy. Um. Let's talk about that Kansas City game. Can uh, the Chiefs won twenty two to seventeen over Cleveland? I'll start with an interesting segment, though, related to the game, but, you know, more of a general topic. Love or hate the end zone fumble rule. I knew you were going to ask It sent Twitter into a frenzy. But what do you think? Well, let me ask you this. What are you changing it with? What are you doing differently from what it is now? That was my first question. And from just the, you know, I asked someone. I actually asked uh, Jake Asman, who's you know in Houston and um really a really great hit radio host from Sayas in New York, and he tweeted that out. And I responded. I said, you know, it does seem a little flawed, but what are you changing it to? And you know, he and many other people across Twitter said to put it back on the twenty yard line, whether it be either you know, <laughs> you fumble out of the end zone, and then but look, if you fumble in the middle of the field, in in the ninety nine yards in between. Yeah. You retain possession. Yeah. But if you fumble out of the end zone, reaching for a touchdown, you completely lose the ball, even if the other defender doesn't even touch it. And I'd keep it the way it is. Hold on to the football. I I guess guess you're penalized. As you should be. I I wouldn't change it. I mean, hold on. To me, it's just hold on to the – I mean, if you're getting hit, right – and it causes you to drop the ball. That's what, but like I, anything else to me is unrealistic. It's like, oh, you messed up, you messed up. So now you get the ball in the twenty. Here's another chance. To me, that's ridiculous. I'd keep it the way it is. There's nothing to change. But we have to talk about the biggest part of this game, and it's obviously Mahomes getting hurt. He gets up. He looks woozy. Right. He's he's wobbling around. It, it, it was like he got up and then fell again. But Chad Henney, Cole, he's what I, he has to be the main discussion. The Chad Henney game, he came in and did his job. He, he scrambled on that huge third and long, came just short of the first down, and plopped it to Tyree Kill. I mean, credit to Andy Reid for doing that on fourth. That's his season on the line right there. What did you think of that? And do you think that's Andy Reid's confidence in Chad Henney, the offense? What, what was your takeaway with that play? There's a lot to take away from this. My, my number one takeaway, and I'll just say right off the bat here, is that if Chad Henney is the starting quarterback next week against Buffalo, they're losing that game. Little confidence in Chad Henney to win that game. I know I'm a Michigan fan. I really want the Chiefs to win over the Bills, but I am not confident that Chad Henney can go out and beat Buffalo despite being at home. And that there's that one throw he had, and he threw it 20 yards over the receiver into the end zone. It looked like a punt. I mean, I understand being aggressive in that situation. He but thought Tyreek Hill was down there somewhere. <laughs> but I'm not confident mm-hmm. in Chad Henney, a guy who literally has not started a game. In, I mean, what, he started the Week 17 game, but started a, a real game in God knows how long. I mean, he's the, he's the Week 17 starting quarterback for the Chiefs every season. That's his, that's his role. You know, he is such an emergency option for this team. That well, this is I his first year in Kansas City. I just don't and see him winning this game against Buffalo. And credit to him for going out there, you know, kind of pulling Ryan Fitzpatrick and being fearless and just 
going for it all right there. And I, and I wasn't too surprised at that Andy Reid play call because at the same time, you know, they weren't going to score any more points. I'll tell you that Kansas City wasn't going to score again in that game, in my opinion. So they had one yard to get, and they ran the most effective mm-hmm. play in the book. You know, people, look, I give Andy Reid and Biennemi all the credit in the world for coming together and, cre- and creating that play call. But it wasn't rocket science. You know, there was, it, was a, it was a solid play call. They had to get one yard, and they gave it to the fastest player in the field on the flat, wide open, and he did his job. I don't think it was some mind-blowing thing, Shane. Well, I thought it was just a very nice play call. So, so you don't think fourth and one with your backup quarterback? And look, I know they did the same thing to Tyreek Hill against the Dolphins to clinch that win late in the season. But, cool. Divisional round, Mahomes is out. Cleveland what has momentum win? with Mahomes out, right? They're riding exactly. momentum. So they have momentum. All they need is but one yard, and they win the game. You the have to go for the it. The ball's on the 50-yard line. The ball's on the 50-yard line. What if Henny misses that throw? What if Tyreek Hill somehow drops it? Right. That's the, like, that's it, the, it wasn't that's, a it wasn't a solid play ball. That was I thought it was a high that was their throw, He wasn't throwing to double coverage 15 yards down the field. He threw across his body. He threw across the side of the field. To, to Tyree Kill, and you know, I, I think it was a high percentage throw, and it's worked before. They've clearly worked on it. I thought it was a great play call, and I thought that it's one of those situations where you just have to, where you just have to realize the situation. You're in. Just like as you said, they had no momentum at that moment. Of course, they had a little momentum after um, Henny's play. You know, got everyone going and put some hope back into them. But I don't think they win that game if they let the ball up. I don't trust them enough, especially with how well the Browns were playing. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, I thought they had no other choice but to do that. I mean, you could have been boring and just ran the ball up the middle or something, but he wasn't throwing the ball 15 yards down the field. He needed one yard. And he, he Tyree well, Hills couldn't have done that. That's and the they thing. It was on Henny. I mean, he's a veteran they quarterback. Couldn't have done that. Was... They couldn't have ran the ball. So it was big. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it, was, it wasn't a big play. It decided the entire game. It won them the game, Shane. But... I don't think it's this rocket science play that everyone is making it seem to be. I thought it was the smart play to do, and they took advantage of the situation. They won the game, and they deserve to win the game in that case. Um, but let's talk about the quarterback on the other side of the ball, Baker Mayfield, who had some unbelievable throws throughout that game, really great leadership once again. You know, we always talk about how high the ceiling is for a team. If, you know, in this quarterback-driven league, if, you know, a team has the quarterback that can bring them to the promised land. Is Baker Mayfield that guy for the Browns if they were mm-hmm. to ever win the Super Bowl? We love these quarterback talks. I don't see why not. I just we know how well they run the ball. And to me, Baker Mayfield's ability to, you know, spread the ball out, hit receivers, it's definitely not on him. And, you know, the weirdest part of it is Cole. They're a better team without Odell, without when healthy, a top maybe 10, 12 now receiver in football. So it's crazy that that's the factor. But I think it's their – I'm just not sold on their linebacker core and their secondary. I mean, Mac Wilson, who delivered the hit on Mahomes, I'm not saying that was a good play by any means, but he's proven to be a great player. It's their secondary that needs work. And I think if you can be one of those teams – you know, I don't know if Mayfield's going to get a massive contract, but if you can give Mayfield a reasonable deal, right, 
in the last. You retain Chubb. You retain Hunt. You have probably a top three O line in football. Wyatt Teller's an All Pro after this season. You know, Jedrick Wills has proven to be one of the best picks of the draft. He's been phenomenal. Jack Conklin was a great addition. They have all these pieces. Figure out a a true wide receiver two number next. Excuse me, next to Landry, you have the tight end set. You can run double tight end formation. Find a true wide receiver two. Fix your defense. Build around Miles Garrett. Mayfield can be the guy because we know if needed, he gets the job done. He's not a bad quarterback. He steps up when he needs to. Yeah, he made some fantastic throws throughout that game, and I was fairly impressed with him. I really was, and he's a great leader. And you know, I'm buying him going forward. So I think he's some, you know, again, some world beater. No, but I think he can get the job done enough mm-hmm. to bring this team to a really nice level. So let's move on to the last game in the AFC. Well, then we're going to bring on. We have a caller. Or do you want to bring on the caller now? We'll bring on Phil. Let's bring on Phil. All right, let's bring on. Let's bring on Phil right now. Phil, what's up, man? When he joins, probably shouldn't have introduced him yet. He's not even on. Got too excited. Waiting on Phil right now to join. What's going on? How are we doing? Yes. Thanks what's for having on? me, boys. Uh, so I just got a quick comment on the whole play with Chad Henney. Um, so I agree. I think the play is being a little overrated, but I will say the biggest thing I took away from that is coaching, which kind of leads into what I want to talk about. So like you just did that <laughs> big Jets fan. I think the Jets were 0 for 8 on fourth and ones this year. And we handed the ball to Frank Gore every time. <laughs> every time. Every time. It was terrible. And you go negative two yards in this, please. Exactly. <laughs> but having trust in a backup quarterback shows a lot about a coach. So don't have to just focus on Salah. But overall, who do you think is going to be the best coach hiring? Who has the best future out of these? You know, the Jets, the Jaguars, the Texans, so on and so forth. Just want to get your guys' opinion. Shane, let you start. Well, maybe I'm biased with the Sala signing. I just because I've seen it up close and personal, right? We know what he brings to the table. I've talked to both of you about it. Guy's a motivator. He's a leader. He, the way he preps his guys. I mean, his defensive schemes. When he's ready to step up and change it, he can. And I think that's the biggest thing going forward with the Jets. You got a keeper there, especially with Mike Lafleur as offensive coordinator. I can't talk about that enough. I think the guy's going to be a stud for you guys. I'd, I want to say the Jets just because I don't love the Urban Meyer fit in Jacksonville, especially with Trent Baalke as GM. I just don't, I don't know. I love that pairing. I'm excited to see where Eric Bieniemy ends up, and that's actually the biggest thing to me. If he can end up in Houston and they can somehow fix the Watson situation, even though it looks dead in the water, I want to say they're the winner just because of how, you know, Eric Bieniemy has taken the Chiefs offense to the next level, obviously credit to Andy Reid, Tyree Kill, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, those three guys, but he's phenomenal. And that play doesn't happen without, you know, like you said, Phil, his ability to coach and how he believes in a backup quarterback. But I like the Jets. Yeah, I mean, my Jets bias is going to show a little bit right here with, uh, I mean, I'm, I can just ditto everything that Shane said. But I want to talk about something intriguing. Look, I'm a Michigan fan as well. I, I, I cannot stand Urban Meyer, but... I'm very interested to see how this works because I always talk about the importance of the relationship between your starting quarterback and your head coach. And Urban Meyer has a crush on Trevor Lawrence. He does. And I think that's huge for that pairing that they love each other. And look, I think he's going to be a little bit 
less energetic than he was in the past in the college world. And I'm really interested to see how he makes the adjustment from the college level and being so elite there and all the strategies that he used, bring it to the NFL level. But a football genius is a football genius, man. The amount of experience that he's had, the amount of things that he's seen across his career, and the guy who has had success in every single place that he's went, I doubt that he goes into Jacksonville and flops. Unless he, unless his whole medical issue gets the best of him, I think Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence are going to have a lot of success in Jacksonville. If he surrounds himself by the right people, and look, Balky's is a little bit questionable, but I guess there's some logic behind it. What he is, but if he surrounds himself with the right NFL experienced people that know the ways, maybe some former head coaches that he can put in coordinator roles, it could be a really interesting situation in Jacksonville, and they can change the entire culture around. They really could, and look. It's, a, it's one of the most irrelevant teams in all of sports, the Jacksonville Jaguars. But having Lawrence there and having Urban Meyer, a big-name head coach there, there's a lot of potential, and that's the biggest wild card out of anything right now. These, these other hires are fine. You know, they're kind of low-ceiling, high-floor type of things. But if you want to go all in with Lawrence and not have a repeat of what happened with like Andrew Luck where they just were never able to get to the next level and there's always a revolving door, Build a really good team around Lawrence and, and Urban Meyer, and I'm really curious to see what happens. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think Urban Meyer is a good fit. Um, I, I agree. Like you said, football genius. You know, it'll translate from one to the other, especially with the culture. You know, he seems players seem to love him. Um, and one more point about the Jets here. You guys were talking about potential landing spots for Jameis Winston. Uh, what you guys see Cole I know you probably follow the Jets a little maybe a little closer than Shane uh what do you think the QB situation is going to look like because personally I thought Sam Darnold was going to be a good fit in Pittsburgh that's, that's my interesting prediction. no nothing to back up but I just see you know a second round pick for him we move on you know I'm sure you've heard the Watson rumors uh, you know that's going to get everyone going but pro- probably not realistic Listen, I'm getting um, and then, you know, kind of what what you think Fields or Wilson at two? Do you pass? Keep Sam? You know, My head's been spinning, table. but now this whole Watson thing brings a whole other element. And I'm getting – I'm a Knicks fan as well. So I'm getting a Zion, Kyrie, KD vibes from this of just getting your hopes up over it once again. And I'm, I'm trying not to do it. I'm really trying to hold myself back and be like, all right, it's just a rumor. You know, you can't get crazy over this. Highly list that they can get Sean Watson. Because I think the Jets have the best package. Look, of course Miami has the most uh, playoff-ready team for Watson to join out of all the contenders of, in this Watson sweep. But the Jets have a luxury over the Dolphins that they had the number two pick and number three pick. And while it's only a one-pick difference, it gives Houston the chance to choose between Fields and Wilson, who seem to be at a very similar level right now. It's very torn. There's some people who really still believe in Zach Wilson and say Justin Fields didn't prove enough throughout the whole season, despite that one incredible game against Clemson, or people buy the Justin Fields hype. And now Houston has a chance. You know, it sucks to give up your franchise quarterback. It absolutely is terrible. It's devastating. But with the way things are going, you can't force Watson into this situation if he's not going to be comfortable there. And I think it's going to bring a lot of unnecessary drama. You look what their counterparts did on the basketball side with the Houston Rockets. They didn't want that dark cloud hanging around them with James Harden. 
And look, again, as much as it sucked to trade Harden, they got an amazing return back and they're able to rebuild their team and not have to worry about all this side drama of James Harden. Very similar with Deshaun Watson right here, a guy in his prime, the most important player on the team. I don't think it's worth it for Houston to try to fight this right now and see if they can lure him back. And, you know, they're in a terrible situation right now in terms of their, you know, their cap and the team's falling apart and they own the picks. If I'm Houston, I know, again, a little biased because I'm a Jets fan. I pull the trigger and find the best package available for Watson while his value is high and they can get a ton for him. And you make the trade with the Jets so you can choose to have that rookie quarterback between Fields or Wilson, not have to wait to see what the Jets do in front of you, and then see as my with Miami's pick, the pick that they should have had, what they're going to do there. And that throws away all your research on, uh, you know, if you, have a, if you have a draft crush on Wilson or Fields and the Jets pick them, you're done. The, the whole situation is done for. And I don't think they're going to go after Sam Darnold. I don't think that's what Houston's going to do. So if I'm, if I'm the Houston Texans, I'm trading with the Jets. They got a ton of assets. The Jets could still be in a very good position, and you give up the house for him if you're the Jets. You got to do anything in your power. You bring him and you bring Allen Robinson as well, and they can make it happen. There are tweets going out today. Sean Watson, the, both Love of them, it, like the same tweet from Good Morning Football with a potential trade package. I don't like the buy into that stuff, but, I mean, come on. You got to at least get your hopes up. I feel you. We're Jets fans. We got to buy into <laughs> That's anything. how we do it here. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was our quarterback for the first uh, 13, 14 weeks of the season. Oh, brutal, brutal. And Shane, right. I guess I got one for you too. Is Jimmy Guwap back with the Niners or is he well, gone? What's you guys talked about the, the Watson package and the Niners have a lot more to offer than the Jets do. And I actually think, look, the Watson thing fits. It, it fits in New York, but. You guys do a better job of staying away from superstars and getting rid of them opposed to signing them. That's my biggest oh. thing. And, look, if I'm Houston, the number two pick and everything is attractive. But if I can get, you know, a first-round pick for the next two years and people are saying Bosa, I don't know how you would ever trade him. But, th- I mean, that's a lot. I think – Would you trade Bosa, though, if you had to get Watson no, to trade No, 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 I wouldn't. Wow. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would. Wow. I would. I think because he's just far more valuable. Cool, but you're leaving out the you're leaving out the other part. Are you giving up Bosa, Garoppolo, and two or three first round picks? I wouldn't. I wouldn't give two or three first round picks it's on top of Garoppolo. That's the There's Houston no way they're gonna ask for two or three. They'll ask for one first round pick, maybe a first and a second. I, I, that's not what everyone's saying. But with Garoppolo. <laughs> I don't know if there's any better options. I mean, they're not really in the range to pick one of those three or four best quarterbacks. They're definitely got not getting Lawrence. They probably won't get Fields or Wilson. I don't love Mac Jones because I think he's a younger Garoppolo. I definitely don't like Trey Lance. I don't like Kyle Trask. So I'd stick it out and see with Garoppolo. The Super Bowl window hasn't closed. And the guys, I don't know if anyone's seen, but the press conferences, you know, the Trent Williams of the world, the Jason Verrett's, the guys that want to run it back and be on a Super Bowl team, they don't want to rebuild. They don't want to be a part of a team with a young quarterback that's going to take two or three years to develop and Shanahan gets all excited. They want Garoppolo. The players in that locker room want Garoppolo. And look, if it's Watson, I get it because that's one of the four or five best quarterbacks in football. To me, it's just so unrealistic, especially for the asking price. So I stick with Garoppolo. 
Yes. Garoppolo yes. over Darnold. It's getting... I, I would I would too. We well. talked this on many shows, Shane. The 49ers might not be able to hit the top of the ceiling with Garoppolo, but they proved that they can be a Super Bowl caliber team exactly. if Jimmy Garoppolo is even mm-hmm. playing at his highest level. And that that that's the story. They bring another receiver into that mix, another weapon. 49ers can be really dangerous. And that NFC West is wide open right now. It is you wide open. You think they need re- that's okay. All right. Uh, we can end on that. Anything else? Uh, yeah, pre- yep. appreciate you guys having me on. Enjoy awesome. the show. See you, Phil. Thank care, you. My man. That was Phil right there. Um, we still go over the uh, Buffalo-Baltimore game. We'll close out the last uh, three minutes with that. But I guess we'll, we'll run through that quickly. Buffalo only put 10 points on offense. Of course, they had the pick six in this game. Are you mm-hmm. – look, of course Josh Allen has proven himself this season. That's not a debate anymore. But if they were to win – let's say – let's play a scenario right here. Mahomes either plays at 50% next week or Henny plays, and Buffalo rolls through them and wins that game. I don't they even know the, if it's 50. They head to the Super Bowl against Green Bay, who I think, I think we can both agree is going to win this game against Tampa Bay. Are you trusting mm-hmm. Josh Allen in this game to – you know, have a really good performance. He had a decent first game, and then this second game was, I mean, I guess it by default one of his worst performances of the season. Granted, it was against the uh, Ravens defense that has been playing really good football lately, but, I mean, I wasn't blown away by uh, Josh Allen in this one. Yeah, I mean, I actually think Allen's going to have an easier time against the Chiefs defense opposed to the Baltimore Ravens just because of how good that Ravens secondary is, right? Marcus Peters, Anthony Levine, Marlon Humphrey, um, Chuck Clark. They have all these guys back there, and their pass rush is great. Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe, Matthew Judon. They have all these guys, and it was a lot more for Allen, I think, and Allen needed to do a lot more. I everyone going into it was like, this is the best game of the weekend, high scoring, a lot of offense. Certainly wasn't that. As you said, it was a 10-6 game minus the Tremaine Johnson pick six. Allen definitely has an easier time this week, though. And I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to let him go and Allen's going to have a 400-yard, four-touchdown game. I I don't think that's the case, but I think they're going to generate more than 10 points on offense. I certainly see that happening. And I I, I just – look, I I think from a matchup standpoint – Allen, I mean, any quarterback is going to have an easier time with the Chiefs defense than the Ravens offense, but that's not what that's not what it's about on Sunday, right? It's about if Mahomes can play and what he can do and how, you know, easier or hard of a time they're going to have against the Buffalo defense. Yeah, I'm really curious to see if he's able to bounce back, if that mentality kicks in and you can figure it out. But again, the biggest variable in this game is if Mahomes is going to be playing. Mm-hmm. I think they have absolutely no shot if Chad Henney is in this game. Buffalo is too good of a team. Um, but then there's the guy that the guy that Buffalo shut down, which was Lamar Jackson. They made him look like the Lamar Jackson of uh, the 2018 playoffs and the 2020 regular season up until the cakewalk schedule at the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this was the bad Lamar Jackson. There's no there's no sugarcoating it here. He played terrible in this game. He really did. So, do they need to look themselves in the mirror again, or is it just a problem that they don't have another receiver, or can Lamar just not? be a thrower in this league? Like, What's the deal? I mean, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you on Lamar's performance. 
Was he terrible? I don't think so. Was he great? No. Was he enough to win the game? Certainly not. But and it and look, if he stays in the game, you know, obviously got concussed, which was terrible. If he stays in the game, does it shift? Is it different? I think so. You know, I were they riding momentum? Certainly not. They were inside their own five. He had the intentional grounding call, which led to him getting concussed. He threw the pick six. It was terrible, right? But Lamar's their guy. Lamar's going to generate them offense. And, you know, we talk about how we question Buffalo's defense, right? We're, we're sold on their offense. We know what they can do offensively. Brian Dayball, we know they're that good on offense, right? It's their defense that we question. It didn't really matter in this game because Lamar didn't have the weapons around him to succeed. So I think it's certainly that. And that's what it comes down to. I mean, Marquise Brown, I don't believe he's a number one receiver. He can make plays. He had that 30-yard oh, catch. He's a number three receiver in my book. Yeah, but but that's exactly what I'm saying. He doesn't have it around him. They've had Their O-line was so banged up this year. Obviously, Ronnie Stanley out for the year. DJ Fluker's been in and out of the lineup. They still haven't bounced back from Marshall Yonda's retirement, which is crazy, but they have to build upon that. And I think, look, we talked about it with the Browns, but there's certain things you need to do, and I think Lamar's your quarterback going forward. My only question for Lamar is back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons, right, Cole? We know he can get it done with his likes, but when it comes a time where he doesn't want to take those hits anymore and he wants to sit in the pocket, is he capable of that? There you Look, go. I, I, I just don't think that, you know, as much as everyone is trying to convince himself that he can throw the ball, he can. And you can, again, I don't have a problem with him running mm-hmm. the ball because it's effective and it's worked. But then oh, there comes a work point. It, there's a point where it's not going to work, as you said. He's, he, I mean, God forbid, he might sustain a, a serious injury where he can't do something like that. Or in a game, if he you know tweaks his ankle and he's stuck in the pocket, what is he going to do? We've seen quarterbacks like Big Ben stick in there for the whole game despite the injury. But you know, who who knows what's going to happen on that end with Jackson? Personally, I think people are going to still ride that headline. I think he can have a more productive season if they bring out some, rep- some weapons around him. I agree. But if you're a receiver, do you really want to go out there if you're a free agent and go play with Lamar Jackson, who's you know, not the best thrower in the world? We'll have to see what happens. But I think if they put some nice pieces around him, he can throw the ball a little bit better. I think he's at a huge disadvantage with the receiving core that he has right now, headlined mm-hmm. by Mark Andrews and, uh, you know, and Marquise Brown, who I think is really a wide receiver three at best. But cool. And, and, not that we need to get into it, but you, you gave Mark Andrews as the top target, and he's played – he's underperformed, like, incredibly. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. yeah, just just totally down to a standard. Same with Marquise Brown. So those, to me, they can't be your top two targets. All right, so before we close out the show, we're actually going to bring on David Perez here quickly, and if he has a question for us, and then we're going to, you know, call the night. So David will be joining any second. There he is. All What's right. up, man? What's going on? Uh, so yeah, we were ta- you were talking about the Baltimore Ravens. I have one question for you. If you had to pick now, who wins the AFC North next year? That's an interesting question. I'm going with Cleveland, man. I'm going with Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I think they're the best team in this division. They're going to be riding momentum. I think they figure out a way to deal uh, Odell Beckham in the offseason, get some really nice pieces around him, potentially bring in another receiver for Baker figure out some more things there, get some more stability. Stefanski enters year two. The defense maybe adds another piece, as Shane said. Secondary can use some help. They've done a great job of building that team. I'm confident that the Browns can make an even bigger jump this offseason because they have the capability of doing so with Baker not being on this mega deal. 
and they can continue to build the team. So personally, I'm not liking the prospects of Pittsburgh right now. I just don't know what they're going to do at the quarterback position. And the defense was, you know, it was okay this year when they really came down to it. And then with Baltimore, I'm just not, I'm just not sold on them, David. I'm just not. Yeah. So one of the most important things about the Cleveland Browns is that although they have won a lot of games, they're all so close and, that's a generally hard thing to sustain. You look in the past, the 10-6 and 6 Cowboys from 2018, they had a better point differential than Cleveland, who is, like, negative. And there's a point in which you're just not going to win any more close games. And, I mean, you can look at the same way with Pittsburgh, which is why I think that although Baltimore is not built for success in the playoffs, they could very well win this division with 11-12 wins. Cleveland has in there as a wild card. Maybe they square off in the playoffs, and at that point, the Cleveland Browns would win that game. But however, I just think that, you know, the point differential is a little suspicious. You know, you don't really know what you're going to get out of that defense. Olivier Vernon is aging. Adrian Claiborne is aging. Sheldon Richardson's aging. I mean, those guys are all 30 now. It's only a matter, you can only fill so many holes on defense in one season, in my opinion. So if I had to pick right now, I'm going to pick Baltimore to win 11 games and then probably get eliminated in round one. So I actually want to read this note. Yeah, that, uh, I, 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 I swear, everyone, I was just going to bring this up. We have to keep in mind the Browns were the sixth seed, right? And heading into next year, that means they're playing a third place schedule. A third place schedule as a playoff team, we think they're a top top three or four team in the AFC, a third place schedule. And I think they're going to do a great job of retaining Kareem Hunt. They're going to bring him back. Like Cole said, they're definitely going to deal Odell Beckham Jr. Get a couple of nice draft picks in there. Hopefully rebuild their secondary, find another wide receiver too. That doesn't demand the ball as much. I think you have to go Cleveland. I think they're riding momentum. And the biggest thing was even if they lost last week against Pittsburgh, which if they blew it, it would have been a total different story. But if they went in close game, they lose. The biggest thing with the Browns is they got there, right? And after years and years of misery, not making the playoffs since, what, 2002, they do that. You know Baker's your guy going forward. You know Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is the best running back tandem in football. You know your tight end situation is great. You know you have a top two defensive end in football in Miles Garrett. You know these things. You have your franchise players. Continue to build. I'm going Browns. It's a a tough argument to deny, however – I would need to see them address defense, you know. B.J. Goodson out there, he was getting smoked last week because he's just – that's just not his game. B.J. Goodson can't do that. Yeah, so. and he's not a coverage linebacker, and they put him and in you that You have situation. to find one of those guys. And, mm-hmm. you know, you look at pick whatever number they have, 26, and you can only address one defensive position at a time. I mean, which one do they not need even? I mean, they might have a hole at corner two coming up with Terrence Mitchell, who's been rock solid for them hitting free agency, linebackers aren't good, defensive line isn't that good, safeties are a hot mess with Andrew Sandejo. Yeah, agreed, he's and the worst. You're going to have to rely on just so many different components for this to be a functioning defense, which I don't even think really is that possible right now. And the defensive coordinator is not even some mastermind either. I think, I don't even know his name. Yeah. yeah. Anything, I mean, Shane, let you take this one. I, I I don't know, and I I get it. You know, picking at 26, you can only address one thing at a time, but they have salary. They have money. I, I don't think walking away from Terrence Mitchell is necessarily a bad thing. 
Carl Joseph isn't terrible. I think he's still a solid player. He's young, right? They got him from the Raiders, so it can't be that bad. But there's things here and there. And I think if you're an outside linebacker away or a D tackle away, it's it's not going to be the make or break of your football team, right? They're talented where it's most important. They're talented on the ground. They're talented under center. And they're talented across the offensive line. And I think for that, you're winning games. And I think you can win a division. Yeah. We'll see what happens. It's going to be one of the biggest storylines heading into next season. Thank you so much. Great question from you, David. And uh, we'll see you hopefully next time. All right. Yeah. Thank you. See ya. All right. Awesome way to close that. We're show some awesome callers today. Really good stuff. One of our best shows yet by far. And we're going to be back next week. Well, you guys know on the timing, if we're going to do another Sunday episode or something else, we'll keep you guys in the loop. Just make sure you're following Phenom on all platforms and you won't miss a thing. So be on the lookout for more content if you miss any parts of the show or the full show will be posted on the Phenom. Uh, well, we can put in the Phenom. Yeah, the Phenom NFL show. It will be on the Phenom NFL show or the Colon Sports show or the Shane Rich show. As long as you got one of these things, you'll be able to listen. Thank you so much for joining today. I never got an audience to say until the end. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. And we'll Mm -hmm. see you guys next time. See you guys. Thank you.